My family, anybody glad to be in church this morning? Man, it's been just been a great time already of worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you're here for the first time, we want to say welcome. We hope you feel right at home. And you know, it's good when you when you see old friends. And so I'm glad to see the Kelly family here today, Brooke and Sarah, old friends. I mean awesome friends years back and so we're glad to see you guys in, in church today with us can we give them a hand today can you do me another favor can we give our online audience those who are watching us online we just welcome you today we're glad you're in church we hope you felt the presence of god where you are like we have in this room this morning so we're, we're just glad to be back in this series we're calling You Asked For It. And last week we took a little break and talked to dads. And hopefully you, you go back and watch that message and, and just be encouraged that we have an opportunity as dads to be influencers in our culture. Amen, everybody? So today we're, we're continuing the series You Asked For It. And I just want to say, you know, I'm thankful for, for God sending us uh, great communicators to help uh, me and our church to proclaim the gospel. And so I'm so thankful for Ron Yutzi and Josh Aguilar there. They did a, a great job the last few weeks, amen, of talking to us about families and how that we're answering these, remember, we're answering these questions for you. And one of the questions was about family. And so Ron did a fantastic job while Lori and I were away on vacation talking about families and encouraging you to not only be a, a, a biological family, but to be a church family. Amen? That's what we are. We're a family. And then Josh did an amazing job a couple of weeks ago talking to us about the strategies the enemy has against us. But how many of you know we have a greater strategy against him, the Word of God? And so I want to say thank you to them as they spread that word to you, have answered those questions about strategies and about family. So what I want to do is I want to take you on a journey the next four weeks. We're going to be talking about the end times. Fun subject, huh? So let me ask you a question. How many of you love when somebody makes a promise to you and they come through? Isn't it a good feeling to have that? And that's exactly what Jesus has done. He made us a promise, and that's really what the next four weeks is going to be about. We're going to talk about revelation. We're going to talk about all kind of stuff concerning the end times, and some of you may be scared to death. Anybody sometimes when you think about the end times get scared? You can be honest. I do sometimes. But if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no reason... For you to be afraid. As a matter of fact, the opposite's true. You should be looking with anticipation to the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Because when he comes back, all the, all the stuff you and I have been dealing with, he's going to take care of it. Aren't you, aren't you glad he's a, a risen king who's victorious today? So what I want to do, how I want to start this is I want to talk to you about a promise. Everybody say promise. So Jesus made some promises in God, in his, when he was talking and teaching his disciples. And the, the issue here, folks, is, is we, we deal with the rapture. We deal with the second coming. We deal with everything the book of Revelation says. You know, there's some bad stuff that, that's going to happen. But I want, I want us to focus today on the good stuff. The reason why Jesus made his promise that he's coming back. And to start this out, I want you to understand that this, this black, one of these last times that Jesus had with his inner circle, his 12 disciples, right before he was arrested, the night he was arrested, they were afraid. 
they're sensing this, what's going on. They're not sure. They're kind of confused and afraid, and they're really not, not sure what's going to come next. Anybody ever been there? And so he, he takes a moment in this meal with them, the Passover meal that he has with them, his final meal with them, and he talks to them about a promise. And so I want to read to you. Let's go to John chapter 14, and this is how we're going to start this, that Jesus promised he's coming back. Aren't you glad he promised he's coming back? So here's what he says to his disciples. Remember, they're kind of confused, afraid. And he's, the first thing he says is what? Do not let your hearts be troubled. In other words, don't be afraid. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, remember, he's already spent three years with these guys. And they're still afraid. And they're still kind of confused. And he's trying to settle them down a little bit. Now, watch what he does. Watch the promise that he makes. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And then he says this. He makes this promise. And this is what I want us to, to really focus in on. If I go and prepare a place for you, read this with me. I, I will come back. Aren't you glad he made that promise? I will come back and I'll take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Isn't that a wonderful promise today, folks? And so here's what I'll say. I'll say when, when God makes a promise, he always delivers. Can I get an amen today? Now, the purpose of this promise is, watch it. I will come back and I want you to be with me. And here's my declaration to you. Ever since he left... He's had a purpose. He's been preparing a place for you. Really a place probably beyond your comprehension. And, and we've talked about this before. If you've ever been out west to the, the, the Grand Tetons or the Rockies, or you've ever been to a tropical paradise and you've just been blown away by that, that pales in comparison to what God is preparing for you. Are you looking forward to that? And so this is the promise he made. I'm going back, and here's the reason I'm going away. I'm preparing a place for you so that I can come and get you. Anybody looking for him, him to come and get you? And so the promise is there. It's very clear. I'm going away, and then I'm coming again. And so if you know this, the rest of the story, he's crucified. He rises again. And again, his disciples are really, they're afraid. They're actually in hiding, right? When he rises from the dead, he goes and finds them. They're, they're afraid that, you know, Pilate and the rest of the Jews are coming after him. And so they're hiding. They're hiding out in a room. And he goes to them, and he has another meeting with them. And so he reiterates, okay, look, guys. While I go away, there's a mission and a purpose that I have for you. There's something really important that I need you to do. You guys know what that's called? Anybody know what it's called? It's called the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, lo, I'll be with you always, even into the end of the age. There's another promise. So even though he's not come back yet, you and I have a purpose while we're still here. Amen? God has called you and I to make as many disciples as possible before he comes back. Folks, that's the reason he hasn't come back yet. How I many you know he loves his kids? He wants as many as possible 
to make it to heaven. And our job, I love this, I've heard people say this before, our job is to populate heaven. How many want to populate heaven? He's given you a clear, precise path on how to populate heaven. It's called one thing. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's how it works. Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, and walked over out of the tomb to conquer sin and death. That, folks, is the message of the hour. That's been the message since Christ went back to heaven. Now, after he told them this, he said, listen, spread the gospel. And then this one last thing he says, he says, you shall receive power. Everybody say power. After the Holy Spirit has come on you, which is a foreshadow to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. And he says, you shall be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, our mission is not just confined to Cherokee County, folks. Our mission is national. Our mission is global. Can I get an amen? As a matter of fact, today, we're sending one of our own to the Dominican Republic. In, in just a little bit, I want to pray for you, Kat, that God will be with you as you go. But listen, we're fulfilling the Great Commission, what Jesus told us to do. And then the Bible says that he begins to ascend. And I want to read this, this to you in Acts chapter 1. It says, after, they, after the, uh, he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him. There it is. Okay. From their sight. Verse 10. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. These are angels, right? Verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, read this with me, come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Here it is again, the promise. Everybody say promise. The promise is there. If I go, I will come back. Boy, that ought to encourage somebody this morning. He's coming again. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's coming back. So, folks, I present this message to you very humbly. And here's the reason. There are so many people out there with different views of Scripture of how this is going to all play out, and, and they're smarter than I am. And so I come to you saying what I'm going to present to you. I'm giving you my understanding of how I see the Scriptures, how, that, how we interpret the Scriptures, but I could be wrong. How many know I could be wrong? However, I do believe there's some compelling evidence in the Bible for what I'm about to share with you. So the second thing is... One of the key signs that he's coming back is an increase in the spread of the gospel. Matthew 24, 14, and this is what he says out of his own mouth. This is called the Olivet Discourse. He's on the Mount of Olives where he's going to come back, and he's teaching his disciples about the end times. Watch what he says. And this gospel of the kingdom will be what? Preached where? To the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then what happens? And then he comes. Folks, we've been living in the last days ever since Jesus ascended back to heaven. 
And there have been, you know, eras where people say, well, he, he could be coming back. They're all, they were always looking, right? And there might have been somebody they could point to that, well, maybe that's the Antichrist. And, of course, he hasn't come back yet. And so, you know, we could, all, we could say it, hey, he's coming back soon. Yes, he is. I believe it's more closer than we think because here's the thing. Over the last 50 years, there have been more people saved than the previous 1,972 years since Christ returned, uh, left earth. Is that not compelling? God's up to something in these last days. Now, I know it doesn't look like it here in America. When I look around, you know, it's like, Pastor, I don't see that. I don't see, you know, the gospel spreading like wildfire here. Well, think about this. There's, I think it's 193 sovereign nations of the world. Most of those nations are seeing a, a rapid growth in salvations bigger than the birth rate. Except for 17 countries. Guess what? The United States is one of those. Now, we're not declining. We're kind of just... What does that say to the church of Jesus Christ in America? It's time to get busy. What did Jesus say? I have given you the Holy Spirit so you could be a witness for me. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so here is this is the mandate for us, folks. He's coming back. And the more work we do, the harder we work in shedding the gospel, we'll speed up, amen, his return. Amen. Anybody looking for him to come back? We need we need to study the Bible. We need to learn as much as we can so that we're prepared to share. This good news that Jesus came. Amen. So here at Full Life, I want to make it, I want to drill it down. Our purpose here is for you to live the full life Christ promised. We know he died for that, right? And we talk about it all the time. It's in the realm of relationships, your health, your purpose. Part of your purpose, folks, is sharing this message. Your purpose is to share the gospel wherever you go. And if we do this, then we have this opportunity for Jesus to come back sooner. The mission of our church is the same mission that Jesus gave the 12 in Matthew 28. Go into all the world, carry this gospel to every nation. That's our mandate, folks. Amen? If you're taking notes, here's the third thing. This is the part that some of you, again, people are, how many of you know people are afraid? Maybe you are. When you watch the news, when you see, you know, Russia invade the Ukraine, and you see China and Russia partnering together, folks, I'm going to tell you something. Go read Ezekiel 38. Everything that Russia's doing right now the Bible predicted thousands of years ago. Can we rely on the Bible this morning? So it's, it's shaping up. Things are shaping up as the Bible predicts. And so many people are afraid because they see things, these things happening. And I'm here to tell you, the promise of his return should bring you comfort and encouragement. Amen. 
It does bring us comfort. And here's the reason. Why is he coming back? He's coming back for his kids. He's coming back because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Amen. How you know God loves you? This is not a horror story, folks. It's a story of Christ loving you so much that he clothed himself in flesh. So if you're a believer today, nothing to be afraid of. It's good news. If you're not a believer, yeah, you probably have a little bit to be scared about. But here's the good news. Before you leave today, you can pass from death to life. You can go from being an enemy of God to being a son or daughter of God, longing and anticipating the promise of his return. That's how simple this is, folks. You know, I was watching a video the other day where a guy was confronting some, some I think it was Jehovah's Witness, and he was talking about how that, you know, ha, you know, you know what, happened to, what, what would happen on, to the thief on the cross? You guys know the story, the thief on the cross. He's being crucified along with Jesus. And he says to Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And what does Jesus say? Powerful words. This day you will be with me in paradise. Well, according to Jehovah's Witness and some other religions, he's in trouble. Why? Because he's got some works he's got to do to be in right standing with God. Folks, that's what separates this beautiful gospel message from other religions is the fact that it's not what I've done. It's what Christ has already accomplished on the cross. Amen. And so you and I today, if you're in this room and you, you, you've messed up royal and you say, Pastor, if I was to die today, I would not make it to heaven. I've got good news. You don't have to go out and do a hundred good works. All you have to do is this. Place your faith in Christ's finished work on the cross and you can be a son or a daughter of God. That is good news today. And we'll give you that opportunity to do that. If you're a believer... I want to share some encouraging words with you out of Paul's writing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Watch this. According to the Lord's word. Whose word? Not Paul. Who? The Lord. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. When he's talking about people who have fallen asleep, he's talking about people who have died. All right? Your loved ones, my loved ones, my mom and dad. I can't wait to see my mom and dad again. And here's the encouragement. When he comes back, well, it's going to be a great reunion, isn't it? For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. Watch this. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Watch this. After that, we who are still alive are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet him in the air. And so will we be with him forever. And I want you to notice what he says here. Therefore, what does he say? Comfort, encourage one another with these words. Why does he say that? Because, yes, he understands during the last days, it's going to be some troublesome times. There's going to be every opportunity for us to get discouraged. But he says, remind the people, remind your friends, remind your family of the promise that Jesus is coming back. And that's the encouragement. 
The beauty of it is, folks, is that here's where things get a little bit tricky because you have different views of what we call the rapture. Have you ever heard of that word rapture before? Okay. Now, the word rapture is not in the Bible. You won't find it. But the concept is, and we just read it, right? What does it say? He'll come with a command, with a shout of the trumpet, and we will be caught up. Everybody say caught up. Or the, the, the word, the Greek word there is herpaso, which means to be snatched away suddenly. All right? Everybody, does that make sense to everybody? And so the concept of the rapture is there that we're going to be snatched away suddenly by Jesus. Now, I believe, and we're not, I'm not going to go into depth here, but we're going to a little bit later. But I personally believe in a pre-trib rapture. Which means God, Christ's church will be caught up or raptured prior to a seven-year tribulation period. Which is going to be the worst seven years the earth has ever experienced. And some, some people may say, well, I don't believe that. I believe that maybe the middle of the, the tribulation will be raptured. Or some people say, well, we're gonna all, Chris, you know, the church is going to go through all of that. That's okay if you believe that, because what's the important thing? We're going. But I don't know about you. I want to get out of here before all that happens. And here's the, here's the idea, folks. And here's the reason why I believe it. There are three reasons why I believe this. Number one, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 that Christ was our atoning sacrifice. You know what that means? It, it means he took the wrath of God upon himself for you and me. The beauty of that is, folks, when you place your faith in Christ's finished work on the cross, you are no longer, this is good news, folks, you are no longer subject to the wrath of God. Are you following me so far? That's the number one reason why I believe it, because the, if, you realize, if you've ever studied the tribulation, you know that God's wrath is going to be poured out over the world. And so why in the world would Jesus go to all that trouble to take on the wrath of God only for us to be subject to it. Does that make sense? Here's the second reason. Think about Noah. What was, what was the reason for the flood? Anybody know what the reason for the flood was? Man had become so sinful and rebellious that God said, I'm judging the world. I'm going to pour out my wrath by flooding the whole world. What did he do with Noah? He put him in the ark, and he kept him from the wrath. Are y'all following me? Because the Bible says that Noah found grace. Come on, the, the, a picture of the gospel in the Old Testament. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he kept Noah from experiencing the judgment of God. There's another story in the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah, a wicked city, right? Two wicked cities. What does God do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to judge that sit, those cities. But there happened to be a guy, a guy named Lot and his family. What did he do? Before he did that, Lot, get out of here. What did he do? He rescued them from wrath. I do not believe it's God's intention or Jesus' intention 
to cause the church to have to suffer the wrath that's coming during the tribulation. The third reason I believe it, because I'm going to read to you a couple passages that will show you here in just a second. And I'll, I'll point to it when we read it. So the idea here, folks, is we're going to meet Christ in the air, which is a, a, a distinction between when he, his second coming, where he's going to actually land on the Mount of Olives. Here, we just meet him in the air. It's a picture of the church going back to heaven with him, all right? And we'll talk more about that later. And then the detail here is we need to remember, why is he coming back? He's coming back for his kids. And here's, here is the, the, the beautiful part. When, this morning when we worshiped and you guys were singing, did you not sense the presence of God in this room? One moment in the presence of Jesus can change everything for you and can transform your life where you're looking your, your gaze turns off of your circumstances onto a risen Jesus who's all-powerful. And the presence of God in this room transforms heart. Because we need to be reminded over and over again, he promised, I'm coming back for my kids. So the motivation isn't for him to, to have wrath or fury. That's going to happen. But the motivation is he misses you. He wants you to be with him forever. And as Ron said a few weeks ago, in Christ, you're a part of the family of God. That's why in these last days, Ron, we got to stick together. Amen? Stick together as a family of God. Because the, the, the message... In our schools, the message in our culture has been over the last few years. Oh, you, were, you came from a puddle of goo. I heard a preacher say it. From the goo to the zoo to you. What's the problem with that? When you tell somebody there's no purpose, you know, you just came, you're an accident, and then you tell them they're an animal, guess what they do? They begin to behave like it. Folks, I don't know, what, I don't know if you're aware, there are literally people, kids in school acting like cats. Did y'all know that? In this county. People going to school, and the, and the administrators and the teachers are giving them litter boxes. Does that blow anybody else's mind? If you tell somebody long enough they're an animal, they begin to behave like an animal. The opposite is true. You have been created in the image of a mighty God who loves you, who has got a purpose and a plan for you. And listen, he's coming back for those that he died for. Amen. And until you leave here, there's purpose for you. You don't have to tell people, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm not worth anything. No, you are worth, you're worth Jesus' life. And so the, the promise is, we're from him, right? Created in his image. And then we're going to go back to him where there's going to be 
fellowship with him forever. If you're looking forward to that day, say amen. Aren't these verses full of hope today, folks? He promised, I will return. Here's some more truth. Because I know, it, I know sometimes life gets so discouraging. But I want to remind you, this world that you see, it's going to be different after Christ's return. Go with me to Revelation chapter 21. I want to read to you. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Everybody say new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven and from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Verse, the next verse, please. And I heard a loud voice from the throng saying, look, watch this. God's dwelling place is now where? And he will dwell with them. They will be his. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older things has passed away. I know in a room this size, there's been a lot of tears shed over the last few years. Through COVID, we've had a lot of loss, haven't we? Some of you just recently lost somebody you loved in the, in the pain. I, just this morning, my friend, talking to him in the foyer, he misses his wife. Tears flowing down his face right out there. And I have to remind him and everybody else who suffered loss, who have tears, it's not always going to be this way. For when Christ returns, he will wipe every tear, all of the, all the pain, all of the stuff, all the injustice will be made right. Amen. So what do we do? We comfort each other. We encourage each other with this promise that Jesus said, I will come back. A new heaven and a new earth. Some of you think that, you know, these pictures you've seen over the years of people in heaven floating on clouds playing harps. Folks, that's not how it's going to be. No, what did he say? I'm creating a new heaven and a new earth. Do you realize that you're going to be on earth? I never heard that before. What does it say? Some of you who've never been able to birdie a hole on golf, <laughs> you just might be able to in, on a new earth, right, Rick? Hopefully my golf game improves tremendously because I stink at golf. I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to anyway. Amen? So this picture that we've had of heaven and earth, I think it's been a distorted one. And I, here's, you know who I believe is behind it? You talked about strategies a couple weeks. I believe the strategy of the enemy is to get us to dread heaven. When the reality is we should long for it. 
Amen. So the question becomes, Pastor, are we living in the last days? I'm not sure that's the right question. I heard Chris Hodges say this. You're living in the only days you have. Amen? So would it change things? If it would, whether he's coming back soon or not, why wouldn't you go ahead and change it? Go ahead and follow after Christ with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. Why not go ahead and make those changes you know you would make if you knew he was coming back tomorrow? Go ahead and make them. Amen? So here, here's the idea. 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 5. Let's read this together. And I want you to, we're going to point out verse 9 because remember I talked about wrath a few minutes ago. I'm going to show you here. Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. In other words, listen, guys. We know he's coming back. And he, listen, folks, he never made a promise that you would know exactly when, did he? But he did give you signs and seasons. I believe we've seen a lot of signs, haven't we? He says, so he, you know, we're going to waste our time, in other words, trying to figure out when. Now, every, every, pretty much every decade, somebody said, I know when he's coming back. Like, in 19, anybody, was anybody around in 1988? Do you remember the book? 88 Reasons. While wow, the Lord's coming back in 1988, and here we are. So it's futile. You understand this, right? It's futile to try to predict it because Jesus said himself, I don't even know. And if he don't know, you don't know. But what's the promise? I keep going back to it. What's the promise? He's coming back again. Rest on that. For you know very little well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are seeing peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Now, we talked about signs. Now, if you, if you look at a woman in her first trimester, you, you may not know she's pregnant, right? That's why it's dangerous to go up and ask somebody if they're pregnant or not. Even in the third trimester, it might be dangerous. But when we get to that third trimester, what do we see? The little belly. Isn't it cute? We like to rub the belly. That's a sign. Right? That's what he's saying. You can see the signs. You know it's coming. You just don't know when. Amen? I believe. Well, not me, but. <laughs> they will not escape. But you brothers and sisters, next verse, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. In other words, this shouldn't catch you off guard, folks. You are the children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake. And what? Sober. In other words, clear thinking. We cannot let the confusion of the hour over race, 
over politics. We cannot let there be so much confusion that we get so preoccupied that we forget he's coming back. No, we need to be ready. We need to be sober-minded, looking for his return. Amen? For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be, say it again, sober. Putting on faith. There's salvation, right? And love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. In other words, it's an allusion to the armor of God, right? For God, now this is the part I want you to read with me. For God did not do what? To suffer what? Say it loud. He didn't appoint us to suffer wrath. In other words, here, here to me, these are some conclusive evidence he's not going to take you through the tribulation because he says he didn't appoint you to suffer wrath but what did he appoint you to do to receive salvation through jesus what's good news isn't it i'm out of here how many gonna be out of here when the trumpet sounds i'm out of here he died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we may live. There's an, there it is again. What's the promise? We're going to live together with who? With him. And here it is again. Encourage each other and build each other just in fact as you are doing. Folks, I don't, I don't know what your, your, your current pattern, and I know some of your current patterns of church attendance. You're here every week, and I'm thankful for it. Amen. I'm grateful for that. But what troubles me as a pastor is for some folks, I see less frequently. Now, I get it. Things happen. Get sickness. You know, you go on vacation this, this, this time of year. Listen. Listen to your pastor. Take your family on vacation. Amen? But if you're not on vacation or sick, guess where you need to be? With your family in this room. Because as the days grow more and more evil, we're going to need each other. And what does Paul say? Encourage each other, build each other up. That's part of our mission here at Full Life, is to encourage and build each other up. Paul is directly talking here about the return of Christ. And he reminds us, we've not been appointed to suffer wrath. In other words, I'm coming to get you. I've made that promise. I'm going to take you with me so we can be with it as a family together forever. Why? Because he loves you. He created you in his image. He demonstrated how much he loves for you by clothing himself in flesh, by dying on the cross and walking out of the tomb. That's his message to you. So as I said a few minutes ago, if you will find yourself far from God, it's an invitation today. Not only is it an invitation to full life while you're here, Aren't you glad for that, that promise? You can live a full life while you're still here. But the better promise is 
you'll one day be with me forever. So what's our response today to this message? Number one, get right with God. I can't get any more plainer than that, can I? 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober of mind. How many times have we been reminded of that already? And this is a different author. This is Peter, one of the 12, so that you may pray. You know, we as a church, you heard Lori mention it earlier, we are prayer-driven. We understand the power that's in prayer, the conversation you can have with God daily, with your dad every single day in prayer. And so we give you this wonderful opportunity, the first Saturday of every month, to come with your family. Remember, we're a family, right? To gather in this room for the one purpose, and that's to seek the face of God through prayer. Listen, folks. None of us live a perfect life, do we? There's some attitudes. There's some habits we've got, some of us in, as followers of Jesus have gotten ourselves into that we need to repent of. So when I say get right with God, I'm not just talking to those who are far from Jesus. We all could stand to get a little closer, amen? And that's what Saturday mornings are for. For us to seek God together. To meet with God in this room, Amen? Here's another passage for you. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Watch this. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has done what? You realize that the, the image is that Jesus is the bridegroom and we are his bride, the church. And there's going to be a grand celebration one day. I was at a, a, a wedding this past Friday night. We had a fun time at, that, at the reception. We were, we were having a great time eating and dancing. That's exactly what's going to happen when Jesus returns. He's bringing his bride together, and there's going to be a celebration. But notice what happens. The bride has made herself ready. In other words, leading up to the, the wedding, what does the bride do? All kind of stuff. Lose weight. Pick the flowers. Pick the, the location. Find the great pastor that can just do a great job of officiating weddings. <laughs> the planning happens. Why? Because the wedding's coming. She don't just flippantly do it. No, she prepares. And, and we don't, we're not going to call her Bridezilla. We will not. <laughs> right? What's our job? What's the promise? Have y'all been awake the last 30 minutes? What's the promise? He's coming back. What's our job? Get ready. That's the plea today. 2 Peter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? What does it say? You ought to live what? Holy and godly lives. Listen, not trying to go to the edge of what you can get away with. 
Put yourself some margin. Amen. Why? Because we're a bride making herself ready. As you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming, the day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in heat. That's him making a new heaven and an earth, by the way. Amen? What's our job? Let's get right with him. Number two, we should rely on godly relationships. 1 Peter 4, 8, and 9. Above all else, what does it say? Superficially? What does it say? Within the recesses of your heart, love. Passionately love each other. Because love covers a multitude of sin. Anybody glad for that today? Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Everybody say, we need each other. Folks, we're a family. We need you. This church needs you. There's somebody in this room today. You have the encouraging word that somebody else in this room needs. Amen? Number three, get into a group, a life group. This is so important, folks, because it's in your life group that you can make these authentic relations. You can bond. They have these bonds of fellowship. Remember, love each other deeply. It's an opportunity. It's, a, it's an environment for you to love deeply as you walk through your journey to full life in Christ, as you, as you meet with a, a group of small group of people every week and, and discuss the Bible together, encourage one another, pray for each other. As the Paul said, build each other up in the most holy faith. Amen. You need that. I need that. That's why I lead a group every, every uh, semester. I need it. No man's an island. Amen. You can't do this alone. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that what? You may be healed. That's, what, that's the opportunity that our groups offer us, an opportunity for you, not just to confess your sins to God, but to each other. But pastor, you don't know the people who have hurt me, who I can't trust anybody anymore. Listen, folks, if you never trust, you never have the depth of relationship that you desire. You have to trust. Even if you've been burned a million times, you have to trust. The last one, go through growth track. You heard Lori mention that earlier. We're committed to your success, folks. We believe you're created in the image of God, and God has a purpose for you, a call on your life. And so growth track is just one little step that can help you make that discovery. It's the first Sunday of every month, and if you've not done that, I want to I challenge you. If you've been here at, at full life any length of time, go ahead and go through that. Why? Because he's coming back. And you know what that part is? That's part of your preparation. Amen? Doing growth track. It's a next step for, for you on your journey to full life. And it's, a prep, it's preparing you for his return. Come on, somebody. Would you stand this morning?
Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.